African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, giving you that African perspective right here on African Dialogue, where we look at the big subject matters on the African continent. Well, today we're looking at this big story in South Africa. It's a big one because there is a huge grant system in South Africa, which a lot of poor people rely upon. So it's not just a small story. It's not a peripheral story, but one that's very central to the developmental agenda in South Africa. Africa. The latest is that the National Treasury has been given a week to evaluate the capacity of the South African Post Office to take over the payment of social grants in the country. This as negotiations between SAPO and the South African Social Security Agency, also known as SASA, deadlocked last night. It was incredible to see the arguments that were coming up and how it was so polarized between uh, SASA and SAPO, who were actually not really, really, really uh, coming on board in the conversation that was happening yesterday I was following it as an ordinary South African I couldn't believe how they hadn't actually forged a way forward in the interests of the poor well yesterday Parliament's Standing Committee on Public Accounts Scopa and its Portfolio Committee on Social Development insisted that National Treasury intervene to resolve this uh, impasse or deadlock uh, Sapa and Sasa were sent packing with an order to come up with an agreement to ensure everything is in place for the grants payout next year well well, let's let's speak to Temba Gotiu, who is uh, uh, on the line, the chairperson of the Parliament Standing Committee on uh, Public Accounts. And uh, I, I know that your sentiments were of disappointment yesterday. Just reading some of uh, uh, your remarks on today's uh, uh, page one story on the Star, uh, Mr. Gotiu, you you were saying that you were disappointed the fact that uh, they couldn't manage this particular process, uh, especially. Uh, from the uh, social uh, development department's uh, perspective. Uh, tell us a little bit about where you stand with this issue as the chair. Well, look, um, the constitutional court gave SASA 12 months to get it act together and find a legal replacement for CPS. And as we're talking, seven months is gone. And we are left, as we're talking now, with only 99 working days. So our disappointment is with the tardiness with which uh, social development has handled this matter, creating anxiety, uncertainty, and worry among the, the most vulnerable of our people. Um, so unnecessary, needless, um, and so unwarranted. So that is what uh, was causing or has caused our sense of distress about how this mess has been handled. But as you indicated, we've had 
uh, three meetings now, and uh, we believe that uh, there is some movement. Well, listening to the remarks of the Minister of Social Development, Batabile Zamini, yesterday, Chair, was the fact that it seemed like she was not very optimistic around the fact that the post office has the capacity to actually uh, roll out the payments of social grants in South Africa. It seemed like she was more pro uh, the CPJ actually controlling things because of the fact that she said that there was no capacity in that regard. And we heard uh, uh, an, an op- Opposed view, of course, uh, are coming from the CEO of the post office saying uh, the, the post office does have the capacity to do so. It just needs some time to actually uh, transition into that particular uh, process. So, look, I, I want to deal with that purely as a, something that happened in the context of uh, engagements and negotiations. But what is critical? is what finally happened. And what finally happened was an agreement by both sides that National Treasury, as a party that has not been involved before, should do a review, and uh, that the recommendations from National Treasury and the decision by the Interministerial Committee uh, is going to be final in giving direction on what needs to happen. So. We are hoping that the Treasury will finalize review on Monday and on Tuesday the Interministerial Committee will be briefed and uh, on Wednesday Parliament is going to be briefed. Okay, so... So so we are hoping that uh, when they do so on Wednesday uh, they will will be giving us progress. Hmm. How important is that this this must be a speedy process moving forward, uh, uh, Mr. Tembagoti, because uh, there's a huge population that really, really could be affected by uh, this particular issue? Well, look, uh, this grant payment system is is very important to, to everybody concerned. It is important to the rich white section of our community because it buys them time from uh, any social upheavals. It is important for those of us who fought for freedom because at least we are able to say to people, here are some bit of material benefits from the freedom struggle that we waged. Now, if that collapses, uh, you are going to have uh, unimaginable social upheaval arising out of the dire poverty that the majority of our people still live in. So politically, uh, it's in everybody's interest uh, that this must be sorted out um, so that uh, you know we can have social stability. And final question before I let you go uh, is the fact that the Constitutional Court, after that case that was brought forward by uh, the Black Sash, uh, earlier this year ordered that an inquiry be established to set out uh, the minister's role and responsibility as social development minister. Doesn't the fact that this inquiry is still pending delegitimize the minister's capacity in her decision-making with this particular issue? No, it doesn't. Um, the inquiry does not take away the constitution, the, the 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 legal responsibilities that she has in terms of the SASA Act. Um, so, the court process would want to lead them to the courts. We are interested in ensuring that they administratively 
there is a, 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 a process in place to ensure that uh, our people are able to get their guns. Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Goti, for giving us your time. That's Temba Goti, who's the SCOPA chairperson, who is uh, looking at this very, very much big issue. It's been uh, very much of a long, long journey. I remember when this whole thing started out, there were problems with uh, uh, the CP. J's process itself, the CPA's process itself on how payments were being made. There were irregularities around those particular payments. So we hope that we do uh, see a way forward. But let's take a quick one. And uh, joining me in studio, we'll speak to Professor Keith Breckenridge, who's the Deputy Director at the Witz Institute for Social and Economic Research, also known as WISER. Zora Darwood also joins us. Uh, uh, she's from the uh, Center for Unity and Diversity. Let's take a quick one. It's 11.15 Central African time. We'll be back after this. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. Remember, on shortwave uh, to the continent of Africa, which we love very much, uh, we're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. DSTV Channel 802 on the audio book here. You can stream us live as well on www.channelafrica.co.za. Uh, Professor Keith Breckenridge is with us now, Deputy Director at the Vitz Institute for Social and Economic Research, and also Zora Darwood is the Director of the Center for Unity and Diversity. Professor, let me start with you because you were listening to Temba Koti speaking about uh, his uh, unhappiness about the process and also how things seem to be kind of being delayed over and over again with these uh, uh, parliamentary scope gatherings when, when we're dealing with this issue. Um, thank you very much, Ben. I, I think the key thing is people are trying to they're trying to back away or ignore the problem. That the, the grant system is caught between a kind of inflexible court finding that it's an illegal contract and what we call infrastructure lock-in. So, I mean, lock-in is what all software companies try and do. It's what Apple does on its phones. It's what Google does on the Android platform. These co- the companies design their systems so that they build dependency and they can make uh, it very difficult for you to move away. Sure. This CPS system dates from 1990. It's wow. not new. The reason we have social grants in South Africa is because CPS developed a way to efficiently deliver grants to millions of people in the really bundu parts, the very mm. f- the least developed parts of the country, yeah. the northern Transkei. KwaZulu, Shosh, you know, the, the, these are places that do not have post offices. Mm, they mm, do not mm. have electricity. They don't have roads. Ah. And, and that Sasa is, is not an, it's really not an easy thing. And, and anyone who thinks that a 12-month window uh, is going to be enough to deal with it, it's being naive. So are you saying this is now going to become an infrastructural technological issue now? It has been. It, it has always been. And it's sure. always been CPS's plan to build dependency into the population that uses grants. So uh, CBS, I mean, it, it's its financial model, and it and it provides similar services throughout the African continent. Only doesn't only do it here. It does. It works in Malawi. It works in Ghana. It works in Namibia. 
And essentially, the same model applies in each of those places. Okay. They want to be like Visa or mm. MasterCard. Sure. And they want, uh, they want it's almost like a prototype. Yeah, it's a South African, it is very much a, a South African uh, technology innovation firm. Mm. Um, of course, one of the problems is that with a monopoly, with an infrastructural monopoly, mm. you can do things your customers can't easily walk away from. Mm. And that's what the big complaint is about CPS, is that they're charging uh, large numbers of people you know, very high interest rates to borrow on, on their credit platform. Mm. So that's, but I, just to return to the key point, the key point is that Sasa is stuck between an inflexible court decision which says that this contract is illegal as an, a crime and then the reality which is that essentially the grants are only deliverable in large, po- large parts of the country by CPS and it's, it, we can all agree mm. that the post office is not going to be able to do this in 12 months mm. I don't think mm. so some kind of adult relationship between CPS and the post office needs to be worked out and yeah, I think that's what people should be concentrating on rather than on blaming Sasa mm. and accusing Sasa of being a vehicle of corruption and incompetence. Yeah. It's, there is really a lot of evidence, if you look at it closely, that SASA has been working very hard to try and regulate and control what CPS does with this contract. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they don't really believe there's an alternative. Let me br- bring it to you, Zora. Your thoughts, I, uh, Professor Breckenridge is bringing a very complex uh, area here that not a lot of people in the mainstream have been looking at around the systems uh, that the uh, CPS uh, actually utilize and the capacity to actually duplicate such a system. Seems like it's going to be a long-term uh, process, Zora. I agree about the infrastructural issues. However, let us not forget that the Concord has made this decision a while ago, and it's the second renewal under trying circumstances for CPS. So I don't agree with my colleague from WISER that we're facing the cliff. We've known where we have to go and SASA officials are patently aware that they were on a timeline and they were meant to act ages ago and they have not done so and I think that is the procedural governance question for me. Zora, in in terms of that I want you to elaborate a little bit more because it's easy for the Constitutional Court to, to bring this 12-month de- uh, deadline, but what is uh, much of uh, a conflict for Professor Breckenridge is the fact that there are no uh, ways that you can counteract the system that uh, has been utilized by CPS. The technicalities are an absolutely important consideration. I think you want the infrastructure. Um, They've had, CPS has got global experience in putting together infrastructure like this, offering a platform, and I don't take that away from them. They're a business. They run a business. I think what's different in the case of SASA and CPS, and it behooves us not to forget the politics, the corruption around the awarding of the contract, the renewal of the contract, and I think the question is, how do we address that issue? I am of the opinion that 
if Sasa was committed to taking on board the judgment and the recommendations made by the Constitutional Court, they would have acted far sooner. And this has not been the case. I think there are any number of mechanisms. I know, you know, the monopoly rests with CPS. You know, I think one of the questions I would have asked is, would CPS have been amenable to selling portions of its intellectual capital that formed the bedrock of its system to Sasa? Did Sasa negotiate how it was in the interim? And remember, the court order says, find a solution, but the long-term solution would be for Sasa to do the distribution of Social Security grants in-house. Mm -hmm. And I haven't seen any evidence of any of that. You know, we've been hearing about work streams mm -hmm. and technical processes, but there's been absolutely no evidence of the development of infrastructure and technology in-house. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, you know, show me evidence of having purchased intellectual capital to, to do this or engaged other institutions of state um, in order to shore up SASA's own capacity to absorb this key output. And mm. really, the distribution of grants is core business for, for SASA. You can't be this agency that outsources absolutely everything and fobs off the constitutional court and says, okay, we will do it by 2020, we will do it in-house. But there's absolutely no evidence to demonstrate that it's begun the process. Mm. Well, let me bring it back to you, Professor. Very pertinent issues that Zora is bringing as an alternative conversation or alternative viewpoint to yours, especially the, the first point that was made, the fact that uh, uh, the granting of uh, this particular tender has been deemed as was, we've seen some irregularities in those pro processes and already the court has deemed that so. So clearly that monopoly doesn't actually ex uh, exempt um, the CPS to actually uh, go ahead uh, despite those irregularities and that's a good point that uh, Azora is bringing back to uh, the conversation and the second one is that key point where she highlights the fact that uh, it's actually going to be very very difficult to actually see progress and growth with this grant system and a form of progression if we don't see an insourcing system being developed from SASA itself. Yeah, I think that's an important point. I mean, I, 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 one of the things that's very persuasive about the post office position is that it's about increasing the state's capacity to service, you know, the parts of the country that are very poorly serviced because of apartheid. Sure. But we should not underestimate how difficult that's going to be. P building post offices, putting in the infrastructure, putting in people, keeping them there, motivating them to work properly. This is going to be a very difficult thing. It's hard to do in the health services. We're struggling to mm, do it in education. Mm, mm. It's going to be a problem for the post office as well. Does it have the capacity? That's the big question. I don't think it does, but that's not the point. The sure. point is to look at how CPS does it. And okay. CPS does it because it's at the core of their business. So they make a lot of money out of those populations. And they make the money by charging interest to poor people, which, which people find really reprehensible. Mm. But what that does is it draws the company into these parts of the country which the rest of the state is very reluctant actually mm -hmm. to service. And the banks don't want to service either. So ABSA famously sued NetOne in, the, in this 2012 uh, 
tender uh, allocation, mm -hmm. they then won win the court case yeah. and they say, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> we don't want to do this. Sure. And the reason they don't want to do it is that there's reputational damage attached mm -hmm. to servicing these poor people because the, the, in order to make a profit, you've got to be really, uh, you know… Uh, 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 well, you've got to be a loan shark, something <laughs> like that. You've got to sure. charge high interest rates. So they make about a billion rand out of the 150 billion rand that they hand out every year from charging people money. Mm. The, the infrastructure questions are really not easy, and NetOne will not sell its, its tech. The tech is biometrics. It's the fingerprinting that encrypts the smart card, and the smart card is an, like a little offline computer. Mm. Right? It's not... It's not like your fo your smartphone. It doesn't mm -hmm. need electricity. It doesn't need the network, mm -hmm. and that you know that's the core of their business. If the state can persuade them to license that to Sasa, that would be great. The problem with that emerges there is Sasa's job really is to be the judge of NetOne. So it's supposed to be at there at every payment point. Just mm -hmm. one person is supposed to be there as a kind of ombud who says. This, I've got a deduction against my account of, you know, five rand a month. Where does that come from? And Sasa is supposed to be empowered to reverse illegal transactions and deductions like that. Yeah. That they have not done well. Yeah. That's definitely the case. But that dynamic of, a, of, a, of the state having a, a service provider and then, a re, and then taking on the role of regulator, that is intrinsically not a silly way of doing yeah. things. Yeah. You, there are a lot of areas, you know, there's, there's a strike here as we <laughs> speak, in which the state in South Africa doesn't do its job very efficiently. Mm -hmm. And I worry that what will happen is we, if we give it to the post offices, there's who's watching them. Uh, well, uh, th that quest second question again of uh, that uh, to bring it back to you, Zora, is the insourcing. I think the capacity question for me Professor Breckenridge might say that it's, it's not necessarily a relevant question, but where I sit, that's the question that actually comes to mind to me because what he highlights is actually the fact that we don't have the technology, we don't have the manpower, and also do we have the, the right um, uh, government structures to monitor the systems, Zora? I absolutely agree about when the chips are down, People want their grants paid, yeah. and if CPS is delivering it, what I find enormously unpalatable is the issue that here is a service provider, and it's been proved that it got its grant, its modus operandi is reprehensible. Yeah. Um, we find ourselves, as a country... And with Butterpilla Glamini as the principal involved in this matter, not having addressed these fundamental issues, where at this point in time with, well, as one, one MP said in Parliament, it was 100 days to go before 31 mm. March mm. when the Concord requires a move away from CPS to someone else, mm. that in all of this time, there hasn't been an urgency to addressing this issue. There's a political imperative. There's a governance imperative. Um, there's the issue around corrupt practices, corruption around the award of the contract. And I wonder if that is something that we have to look at really, really carefully mm -hmm. and whether as a country 
Sasa and the minister in particular have tended to ignore the fundamental questions and at this point in time are using the fact that CPS has a monopoly on infrastructure and it's only CPS can, that can deliver this good. And in, in a sense, when you're talking about 18 million um, poor people, mm. you know, we have to ask ourselves whether this is jeopardy of a public good. Mm. So that worries me enormously, and I don't think, I'm firmly of the view, that Sasa has not engaged with the enormity of the problem that was raised again and again, and I say again twice, because mm. twice before the Constitutional Court, and has not taken the matter seriously. You want to, Con sorry. Conspiracy theories aside about who has whose fingers in what pie and whether they've been kickbacks and all nature mm. of things. And I think, you know, that, that the Twitterati has been abuzz with that. So. The, the issue is we need a coherent response about why Sasa since 2012 has not been able to effect a solution to this matter. Let me bring it back to Professor Breckenridge because those are huge points. You can try isolate the corruption issues, but even beyond that, we've had a long process whereby we could have transitioned from 2012 to yeah. where we are right now, as Zora is highlighting. How do you counter that? Okay, I mean, if the, the corruption question is uh, the main issue is that in it, there has been a long story of... Uh, but essentially, it's clear that NetOne, let's just say, incentivizes decision makers yeah. by giving them an interest in the subsidiary contracts. That's yeah. private security or the, you know, the food that's provided to the, those things. Tend to, there's a long history of those things going to people who are connected in some way or another yeah. to the MECs, the people who signed off on these contracts. And this is true right back into the 1990s. But let's be honest. This is how all government business happens in South Africa. It doesn't Every, make it right. No, I'm not saying okay. it does. Okay. But let's be careful about saying we're going to chuck everything out that's done by, you know, KPMG or uh, every, every firm in the country is, is basically offering little kickbacks to the decision makers in this way. So that I, I certainly agree. There is a, there's, a long, there's a good evidence trail of that kind of thing. Let's call it corruption. But the people who are being rewarded in that way do not come from one faction of the ANC. And to be honest, there's very little evidence of Batabile Jamini being involved at all in this kind of thing. There are lots of other people who do, who definitely were beneficiaries. Yeah. And I can give you the list of names if you like. No, it's okay. But, <laughs> may, uh, yeah. so, but, but the point is, this act, the corruption story plays into something else, which is that the ANC is going through a civil war at the yeah. moment. Let's be grown up, mm -hmm. right? There's two factions going at each other. The people who are lined up on either side are really, they're trying to kill each other. They're trying yeah. to basically displace them from the, from the state. And the NetOne contract has been brought into the story of the capture of the state. I actually don't believe NetOne is paying Batabile Dlamini anything. I, th I believe she's really, the, that Sasa is persuaded of the inevitability of the infrastructure problem. Yeah. That is that there are 4,000 payment sites that NetOne have. They've got essentially this, this tech built into the card. They can do it offline. You know, they have all sorts of people already in the field. And mm -hmm. Sasa doesn't believe anybody, any other private contractor can manage that. Mm -hmm. They don't believe the post office can do it. I don't yeah. believe that's evidence that they are, uh, you know, criminal or, 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 or incompetent. 
the problem really is that they face the, the fundamental difficulty of the infrastructure preventing them from having really any meaningful alternative. Mm. Uh, you know, I, and, I, and I do believe the minister could have handled this much better. So could Sasa. They've been defensive right from the start. They don't handle the press well. They don't handle academics well. Yeah. There are lots of people jumping in on this. There's a tr- but, but I also think a lot of the people who do work on this question of the social grant are preoccupied with a kind of grandstanding. You know, we're gonna, we, this person is a bad person. This person is a moral, morally failed person. And they, they're kind of incapable of seeing the real difficulties that we face in well, delivering this I need, I need to take a quick break because my big concern as well is the morality. <laughs> There's a moral story behind all of this, especially the fact that you have this m- m- monopoly that CPS does actually have and the fact that it's making so much money because of that monopoly from the poor and the fact that we haven't really, as a government, found out alternative ways to, to counteract that. Let's take a quick one and then we'll be back. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's international radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. Listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Nam, kwenye line ya simu, hivi sasa najiunga moja kwa moja. Farafina. Farafina. Terre de soleil. Está na companhia do Serviço em Língua Portuguesa do Canal África, a voz de Renascença Africana que transmite a partir dos seus estudos centrais de Auckland Park, cidade de Johannesburg, África do Sul. Sochitika, Mu África! Informing the world about Africa, Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Having a heated conversation between Zora Darwood, the director of the Center for Unity and Diversity, and Professor Keith Breckenridge, who is the deputy director at the Vitz Institute for Social and Economic Research, also known as WISER. They're just around the corner here in Johannesburg, uh, away from our Auckland Park studios here in Johannesburg. Uh, Zora, you in Cape Town there. Let's look at that question I was asking just before the break, the fact that there is a moral issue here, the fact that we have this. Uh, uh, company CPS which have this monopoly advantage and it's getting so much money from the poor and that's the story that we haven't really spoken about this monopoly and uh, I, was, I was speaking to the, the Professor Breckenridge uh, uh, during the break the fact that haven't we as a country thought all this time of an alternative way in which that we could actually use the social grant system as a service as well in order to also make some form of profit making from this particular system uh, why are we giving it away uh, to this private entity this case scenario and i think it is coming to bear particularly Um, over the last couple of days in Parliament is the fact that had Sasa contemplated since the original Concord judgment how best to effect an alternative payment distribution mechanism it would have looked in the first instance would be my recommendation at how best 
other government agencies. And I'm not saying let's put all our eggs in Sapo's basket. What I am saying is, does it not behoove us to look at what mechanisms exist, an intergovernmental solution to this issue? I have absolutely no indication, and perhaps I'm wrong, I haven't looked hard enough, that this was a priority issue, not even to investigate. And if it were possible to do it in-house or in partnership with a government agency, so it was an intergovernmental effort, of course the savings will be enormous. And who's to say where those savings might optimally be used? I think it's a question that hangs and we have had no reasonable response, certainly not the defensive posture from the minister, SASA officials either. So that concerns me enormously that first port of call, the efficacy, the expertise that NetOne CPS offer notwithstanding, that the intuitive response is, let's go to the private sector, but let's not look in-house. Now, I'm not suggesting that all of the A to Z of the solution will emerge in-house or between government departments, but at least let that be a critical port of call, because the savings mm. might be enormous. Mm. I've yet to see any of that. Um, certainly mm, those mm. discussions have not been had at the portfolio committee meetings that I've attended. Mm. Professor Breckenridge, you keep shaking your head. Yeah, no, I don't think there's any chance that this is going to save money. Any, you take it away from CPS, it's going to cost a lot more. Government employees are expensive. It's expensive to put the kit in. It's expensive to build the buildings. It's costing us basically 2 billion rand a year to deliver 150 billion rands worth of grants. I think you can expect that figure to go closer to 10% if the state is doing it. Mm. And then there's the question of whether they're actually going to get, people are actually going to get the grants. Uh, you know, I'm not from Cape Town, but in Johannesburg, the post office over the last three years has not been a very reliable instrument of government services from you know, about a year out of the last three years. You couldn't get any post at all. If you use the post mm. office regularly, you have a very good chance that whatever it is that you, you, you've asked to be delivered doesn't arrive, or if it arrives, it comes as an empty envelope. You know, these, these questions are not simple. Anyone who thinks that they are, it's is really, it, the state is not necessarily going to be a more efficient or a more honest deliverer. Mm. I wish it was. You know, there, are, there have been areas in which the state has done that well, and it's a danger to outsource things all the time to private companies. Mm. The real danger in the CPS story is, is not so much the cost of the, of the delivery of the grants. That's, they don't charge very much. If they're making, let's say, two billion, it's actually they make about one point two billion rand on the delivery of the grants, but the but the issue really is the charging. It's the monopoly on the interest rate. So they know who the grant recipients are, and then they offer those people credit, and they charge them essentially micro lenders rates, the same rates yeah, that you yeah. can get if you go down to you know the local taxi rank and you borrow money. Yeah. That's that is something that that is the source of the real discontent. Yeah, it's yeah. that they. They, they, they have no risk. They make a lot of money on those, on those credits because the people can't abscond. They've got to yeah. get their grants. Um, and I, that's where I would break it up. I'd say that's essentially a garnishing process. Yeah. 
they, they need not, the, the flow of the cash can't go from the Sasa card directly into the EasyPay card, which mm-hmm. is the Netone card. It's got to be literally taken out as cash and mm-hmm. made. The payment's got to take place physically. Mm-hmm. physically, and that would that would take another. That would weaken the profit that Netone is getting from credits, which is about the same as the profit it gets from the grant delivery. Sure. But you know, these are all part of the problem in South Africa. Honestly, I do think this is the question. We've we we frame this debate around the state capture problem. It is. And that is really a civil war in the ANC. It's got very little to do with the merits of the grant delivery system as it stands. That's the, this grant delivery system that we've developed here, you talk about benefits, is really globally innovative. That's why the World Bank is investing in it. It's what, and it's also why in, in institutional investors put so much money into NetOne when it moved from South Africa to California in 2005. That's a, that's a very contradictory problem. So that company mm-hmm. went, it went twi- it increased in value 20 times when mm-hmm. it moved to California, mm-hmm. made lots of people very rich. Mm-hmm. But what that then did is it meant that <laughs> you have people betting against the company in America saying, no, 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 these guys are going to lose their contract. They can't carry on maintaining their business. And, and that essentially puts enormous pressure on the company. But let's be aware of what that is. This is a globally, it's a kind of champion in some ways. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's done very well. And we are treating it essentially as a kind of a, 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 a baby. Yeah. Well, we, but we're also treating it as like gangsters. We're mm-hmm. saying these people are criminals and they need to be prosecuted. In fact, if they were regulated properly, they could be very much a source of the export of South African technology and services. Okay. Well, I have to find a way to wrap it up when we have two minutes left. Zora, a way forward. We were just speaking to Temba Goti, saying next week, Wednesday, they want to finalize uh, the way forward. And uh, it seems like for me, that's going to be another pending uh, moment because I feel like next week, Wednesday, we're going to arrive at the same moment that we arrived last night. You know, I think many of us are struggling with this issue of the role of the judiciary, an activist judiciary, whether the judiciary should um, be engaged in the realm of policy making. Mm. And I'm afraid that when the National Assembly is going to fail us and the minister is going to fail us on this issue, that the judiciary may well face Um, this issue and find itself having to make a decision. Mm, mm. Okay. Final sentiment from you, Professor. A very good point brought in there by uh, uh, Zora there. The fact that the judiciary has played a role in this one and you kind of had a a conflict with that particular decision. I agree. I think that the the courts are a very poor instrument for the development of policy and, and especially around regulation. They're very blunt. They don't have the flexibility. That's not, I think, if, if you, you know, the key thing is it seems to me there needs to be some kind of a deal worked out between CPS and the post office. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to require time yeah. and it needs to be worked out probably by SASA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say the courts need to give them the space in order to do that. I think if they do not do it, mm-hmm. there's a real risk that the 4 million people who live in the worst 
serviced areas of the country will not, not get, get their grants country. regularly. Mm. Well, that's how we're going to wrap it up. I don't see CPS actually partnering up with uh, the post office. They've got nothing to gain mm. from that relationship. But that's where we have to let it go. Thank you to uh, Zora Dawood, who is the director of the Center for Unity and Diversity. Thank you, Professor Keith uh, Breckenridge, for coming to our studios. It was great having you here. He's the deputy director at the Vitz, uh, Institute of Social and Economic Research. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunya Nzovo, and you are listening to Channel Africa. We love Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective.